Welcome once again to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. Well, this is the beginning of what will probably be one of the most dramatic weeks in living memory for this country as we approach the deadline for leaving the European Union at the end of the month. In theory, well, that's Boris Johnson's self-imposed deadline. But I think the reality is going to dawn on people and it's going to dawn on the House of Commons and it's going to focus the minds a lot. And it's this. If an extension to Article 50 is granted, it will force a general election. And in that general election, it is likely that Boris Johnson will win a majority in Parliament and therefore he will have a mandate, both parliamentary and in terms of democracy, to leave the European Union without a deal if necessary. And that, I think, that reality is beginning to focus minds on the Labour benches. And for that reason, I don't think they'll really want an extension beyond the end of the month. And for that reason, I think they are likely to back any deal Boris Johnson presents to Parliament in the days ahead. I would agree with you entirely. Um, but uh, let's take it back a little while. We've been doing these podcasts for 15 or 16 weeks, and uh, both of us were blogging extensively and Twitter extensively on the issues of Brexit uh, for numerous years prior to that. I think that we have a right to some extent to congratulate ourselves because Right back in the beginning, uh, I said, and uh, in that you never disagreed with me, I presume uh, you actually agreed that there would be no deal uh, signed until the very last moment, because the European Union would be convinced that it was going to have another referendum, because the European Union is expressly set up as anti-democratic and anti-national. The aim of the Europeans, as they build their dictator emperorate, it has been to eradicate the regional identities. Is there a reality dawning now, on the Labour benches in particular? Because I think back to the early days after the 2016 referendum, and to his eternal credit, Stephen Kinnock was suggesting then that an EFTA-style arrangement, the European Free Trade Area arrangement, would work well and, and a sensible way out of this, and a take-it-off-the-shelf-and-plug-it-in way out of this, if you like, without the need for huge negotiations, would be for the UK to join EFTA and have a very similar relationship to the EU as Norway has with the EU. And I have to also give credit to people who, in the past, I didn't agree with very much at all, and people like Caroline Flint, who was highly pragmatic from day one. She is, I believe, a former Europe minister, but she understood from the very start, after the referendum of 2016, that this had to be implemented because it was the will of the people and it was about getting the best possible deal from the EU. But she said, no matter what, we do have to leave. And I think what is happening now is that with this reality that if you do get this extension which, what, Boris Johnson has to, has to sign the letter legally in five days' time on the 17th, if no deal is in place by then, and if the EU grants that extension, which it might not, it would inevitably lead to that general election, which would be hugely damaging to Labour, particularly in their heartlands of the north of England and the South Wales Valleys. 
Well, I think for starters, we must be fair to Labour. Even Labour has a few honest politicians. But to be <laughs> to be honest about that, it is only a few because uh, they are fighting like ferrets in a sack. None of them agree with any other. They're forming little gangs and of um, mates uh, to see what power they can get. John McDonnell doesn't agree with Corbyn on this, that and the other. Tom Watson is saying something completely different. And Keir Starmer is doing almost anything he can to make the, the party look completely foolish. However, as you said, there's people like Stephen Kennett and Caroline Flint and a few others, um, Some and plus some who are sitting in absolute silence rather than be singled out for um, being associated with any of the batty factions that are the front runners in Labour. And at the moment, when you think that Boris Johnson took over the premiership in a position where he was behind Labour, in popularity terms now, he is twice as popular as Corbyn, despite the fact that the Farage cult has come onto the scene with great popularity. They have taken so many votes away from Labour because there are a tribal group in, the, in Labour who couldn't see themselves, whatever happened, uh, voting for the Tories or for common sense. And all of a sudden, along comes the, the Farage cult and they're not in the tribal structure. Right. Now, in, in that sense, we saw what happened with the Brexit party when within a matter of months of being formed, they effectively won the European parliamentary elections that were never supposed to take place in the spring of this year. But looking ahead to this week now, now this is how, thing, how I think things are going to play out, and I've alluded to this in previous editions of 20-Minute Topic. I've also said the same thing in numerous other media appearances elsewhere. I think what's likely to happen now is that at some point in the next few days, and we're recording this on the evening of Saturday the 12th of October, I think at some point in the next few days there's going to be a significant breakthrough presented to us between whether it's Boris Johnson and Leo Varadkar or Boris Johnson and Michel Barnier, whoever, and there will be a deal of sorts ready to be presented to Parliament by the middle of this week or towards the end of the week after the, e after the summit perhaps, certainly by Saturday of next week when Parliament is due to have a Saturday session, a Saturday sitting. What it will in reality be is Theresa May's deal with bells on. There will be a consensus of sorts formed around the Northern Ireland border issue. There may be a few other mild tweaks, but it will be essentially Theresa May's deal. And that will infuriate Nigel Farage, and I'm fully expecting him to give a negative response to this deal when it comes through. But I do think it will gain enough support within Parliament for it to go through. Will it be enough to satisfy the DUP or will they be thrown under a bus? I am not sure. However, what I do think will happen is that Stephen Kinnock has said that there are 30 MPs on the Labour side ready to back the deal. It could be as high as 50. And you know what? We even had the site last Sunday of Lisa Nandy, the Labour MP, uh, appearing on the Sophie Ridge programme on Sky News. And she said that there had been 
talks with all the opposition parties inside the House of Commons, away from Jeremy Corbyn's grasp, but backbench MPs from all the opposition parties, and they said they were looking for a way to bring Theresa May's original deal back before Parliament. Now, we know where John Burko stands on this. John Burko has said that if, if Parliament has rejected legislation, it cannot be brought back in the same form. So they'd have to find a way of tweaking it. But one way or another, I think we're either going to see Boris Johnson come up with a new deal which has been agreed between the various parties within the EU and, and the British government. If that doesn't happen, and I think it will happen, but if it doesn't happen, a way will be found probably by next Saturday of bringing Theresa May's deal back in more or less its original form. It'll be one or the other, I think. I think we're already in a Neville Chamberlain moment where we have um, Boris Johnson metaphorically getting off his aeroplane and waving a blank piece of paper saying uh, there will be peace in our time. Um, he is saying he is buying time so that the European Union um, can madly scurry around, agreeing that um, the Varadkar talks uh, solved sufficient of the problem that they can reinvestigate uh, a deal with Britain. And uh, as I've said several times, I believe that on the 19th, uh, there will be an agreement within Europe that there is an agreement in place in principle and that all it needs now is for Parliament to agree it because the European Parliament, the 27 residual parties, uh, countries, um, or should I now say regions, uh, will have agreed it. Okay, so let's talk about the situation then with the Northern Ireland border and how things are likely to play out there. Now, you and I have talked in previous podcasts that there are ways around this. There are various ways, things that could be done. But what is likely to be done, it seems is that Northern Ireland will remain in the EU's customs union, which will not please the DUP. Um, They are highly unlikely to back the deal on that basis. But there may be a caveat thrown to them that this will be put to a referendum in Northern Ireland once every four years. That does seem to be what's being mooted at the moment. Is that how you think it's going to play out? I think the DUP are quite sensible enough to think and to realise that um, with one quick glance at the Kurds uh, and the fact that they were America's best ally um, three days ago, uh, the DUP could in fact find itself in the same position in Ireland um, in that um, they are British, but then again, so are the opposition parties in Northern Ireland uh, because of the majority in Northern Ireland saying they wish to remain British, but there is a limit to how much Britain is prepared to throw the rest of the country under the bus for the sake of that Northern Ireland, and I think the DUP must be aware of that. Are you saying that the DUP should back this arrangement? I think they will. And how will they sell that to their own community? Their alternative is far too bleak. 
But we have uh, seen in Northern Ireland, let's think back now to the late 1990s and early 2000s, we had the situation where the talks were going on initially under John Major's government and Sir Patrick Mayhew as Northern Ireland Secretary, then Tony Blair and Mo Molam was in charge of the talks when she was Northern Ireland Secretary. And we saw that one of the big prices for that agreement the Belfast Agreement, to give it its correct name, it's not really called the Good Friday Agreement, it's called the Belfast Agreement, was that the moderate parties, the Ulster Unionists and the SDLP, effectively became marginalised, and it was Sinn Féin and the DUP who became the main power holders when the devolved institutions got going, certainly after the first few years. We saw the scenes of Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness sharing power. Now, the DUP will be aware that the, their predecessors as the leading unionist party, the, the Ulster Unionists, they paid a very heavy price electorally for making difficult electoral choices. Do you think the DUP would be brave and daring enough to make a similar choice now by backing Northern Ireland staying in the EU's customs union? I think what they're going to have promised as the uh, flip side to that, as the douceur, so to speak, uh, is going to be that um, part of this deal will be that Stormont will be reconvened and will have a say as Stormont in managing the position of um, the non-border border situation. But for Stormont to reconvene, that would also require the cooperation of Sinn Féin. Uh, I think Sinn Féin will do it because they uh, will find that it is their route to keeping the door open to the EU. Uh, what you, what I think will have to happen uh, is that uh, that will move forward. We must, and I stress, must give the European Union a situation where they face save or they will block anything that can, goes on, however much it damages them. Because at the end of the day, the emperor of Europe cannot risk having her position damaged because her position as emperor of Europe is already um, somewhat damaged uh, by the various other parties in Germany who are unhappy about the handling of immigrants and um, the rise of those in Germany who are opposed to Germany taking that role and are thus opposed um, to big areas of what's going on in the European Union. But Merkel uh, will uh, be supported by the EU because of her position in the EU. And it is the aim of the EU to eradicate all forms of self-belief and eradicate all forms of democracy within their uh, emergent emperor with its uh, substantial army that it is now planning on putting together. Well that's one of the points that um, we were slammed for making during the 2016 campaign that we rightly said that the EU was planning its own army we, we were told we were wrong at the time we were patronised for that but we, we now know that there are firm plans to create an EU defence force which is a precursor to a full army. We said at this stage Marcus hmm. is 
that for all the clamoring of the Remainers that we didn't know what we were voting on, it is increasingly obvious that the Remainers hadn't got a clue what they were voting on and the Brexit leave the EU vote was infinitely better informed, if not as well bribed. Well, I would say to that is that let's look back at Project Fear and everything from the, the, the collapse of the pound to World War Three to the end of Western civilization and all the other absurd claims made by whether it was George Osborne or Mark Carney or Donald Tusk, they've all been ridiculed and proven not to be correct. So that's a reality of a situation there. The people who knew nothing were the Remainers. Yep, right. However, they were being led by the nose by people who were being paid directly by the European Union. It's now Saturday night. I believe we are now at the start of one of the most dramatic weeks in living memory, not just for British politics, but for life in this country. Because I believe that either before, during or immediately after the coming EU summit, there will be what will be presented as a dramatic breakthrough. It will be put before Parliament and it will get through with the help of 30, possibly 50 Labour MPs who are either principled or are doing it because they do not want to face their constituents in the Brexit vote in Heartlands, having to face Boris Johnson's Conservatives or Nigel Farage's Brexit party. But I do think we are at the start of what will be an incredibly dramatic week, and it will be a week where there will be light. There's been lots of talk of a tunnel. There will be light at the end of a tunnel, and I think by this time next week, it will be clear that we will be leaving the European Union at the end of the month. I would utterly agree with you on that. Uh, I think we will technically leave it at the end of the month. I would think I of the opinion that we will um, practically leave it um, a little while after, uh, because we have nothing in place um, to leave it. Uh, we could not function on November the 1st, and I think it will run on, uh, and I would suggest that we actually physically leave um, and implement the basics of the new systems with all the paperwork in place, and it can be done on the 1st of January. I think an important point to remember is that Theresa May's original deal was meant to be the start rather than the end of a process. Theresa May's proposal was that her deal would be ratified and then two years of intense negotiations would follow with the EU where we outline what the specifics of future relations will be between the United Kingdom and the European Union. And I think whatever Boris Johnson comes out with this week, that will still be the basis of it. So we will leave the European Union sooner rather than later. Greg and I both think that will be at the end of the month. But then two years of further negotiations will follow where everything is untangled. I think it's a good idea to end where we started on this, um, on the issue of an extension to Article 50. And it's worth reiterating that there are many on the Labour backbenches who fear a general election, which would be an almost inevitable consequence of a further extension to Article 50, because they would face the challenge of Boris Johnson's Conservatives in marginal seats, and they would face the challenge of Nigel Farage's Brexit party in the Labour heartlands where the Conservatives stand no realistic chance of winning. 
And on top of that, it's worth remembering that there are those inside the EU who do not want an extension and would question what the purpose of an extension would be. And an extension to Article 50 has to be agreed by all 27 EU member states. And there are signs that some may not be inclined to do so. And I include uh, Emmanuel Macron of France in that statement. But anyway, it's going to be a dramatic week. We know that much. So do join us again next weekend where Greg and I will assess all that's gone on and see where we go from wherever we're at this time next week. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.